Embracing equity is about everyone achieving equal outcomes. You can't just put a policy in place and expect things to happen. Welcome to Take the Lead, a podcast series that helps empower senior leaders with LinkedIn's data, insights and information. Every episode, you'll hear industry experts share how they are navigating the ever-changing business and digital landscape. Hello, and thanks for joining me. I'm Grace Kerrison. I head up sales solutions for LinkedIn across Asia Pacific. Today's episode is slightly different. We've stepped out of our studio and are recording live from the 2023 Salesforce Tour in Sydney. This event has brought many trailblazers and innovators under one roof. And we are excited to be able to bring some of these voices to you today. Let's get started. Today's episode is going to be a celebration, discussion, and conversation about International Women's Day and this year's theme of Embrace Equity. The theme aims to get the world talking about why equal opportunities are not enough and that by embracing equity, we can achieve equality. So what does it mean when we say equity? According to a definition provided by the Australian Human Rights Commission, equity is about everyone achieving equal outcomes. Now, we all have the same value and deserve a good life, but we all start from a different place. Because of these differences, sometimes we need to be treated differently for us all to live safely, healthily, happily, and equally. This means that we need to look at what individual people and communities need in order to achieve equity. For example, equality would be giving everyone the same type of ladder to pick mangoes at the top of a tree. Equity would be realizing that not everyone can use the same type of ladder and providing another way for them to reach the mangoes at the top of the tree. Equality is the goal and equity is the means to get there. Now let's hear from others what equity means and what embracing equity looks like. Hi, I'm Fiona Lowe, VP Marketing at Worley. Embracing equity is about everyone achieving equal outcomes. We all deserve to do well, but we all start from a different place. And we're also all very different, experience the world in our own unique way. So for me, what embracing equity means for today's leaders is influenced by my experiences. And I think it will mean something different to each and every person. And I have to say up front that I'm no suffragette. I'm not Gloria Steinem or Malala, and I'm certainly not Madonna or Beyonce. But what I hope to bring to the conversation is my experience as a minority, a female born and raised in Australia of Chinese background, working on the football field, working in energy, working in professional services. Now, while this mix may not sound unique, I give you this background because I didn't often distinguish between whether situations that I was confronted with were because I was female or because I was Asian or both. But of course, when you hear a football team tweeting like birds, you know which minority that played to. So for me, embracing equity is about ensuring leaders acknowledge differences, acknowledge biases based on how we individually experience the world and make conscious decisions that acknowledge that it may take different resources and support to ensure that equity is provided for their people to thrive. My name's Carrie Smith. I'm the marketing lead for Accenture and ANZ. To me, embracing equity means digging deeper. You can't just put a policy in place and expect things to happen. It really means understanding where people come from, what their background is, what they've done in their lives, and then making decisions, putting yourself in their shoes. It's tough, and it's on all of us. 
I'm Sally Mack and I lead the Revenue Operations team at Safety Culture. To me, embracing equity means looking for opportunities to give people that may not have that same level of representation or opportunity a voice to actually speak what's on their mind. I think often it's bringing people into the conversation that may not necessarily have that natural inclination or degree of confidence to jump in themselves and it's giving them that voice and that platform to have their thoughts heard. And Lori Castillo Martinez, Executive Vice President and Chief Equality Officer at Salesforce. To me, embracing equity means recognizing every employee has varying access to resources and privileges. It means that those with less access may need more support to take full advantage of opportunities available to them. It means deeply listening to understand employees' lived experiences and unique needs. Then it also means breaking and redesigning a few systems and responding with meaningful action and impact. When I entered the workforce, there were very few people who looked like me. I was one of very few women and Latinas in every room. But fortunately, I was able to navigate and succeed because of career mentors, sponsors, and champions who cleared a path for me. Creating this type of equity for others who are trying to navigate this reality is something I'm committed to. I call it the ladder down approach bringing others up with me who didn't have the privilege or access that I did. That's something I've taken with me throughout my career and will continue to do so. Thank you to our wonderful contributors. Colin Tim, Senior Vice President and Country Manager at Salesforce, also joined us earlier to share his thoughts on what equity means to him and what embracing this looks like. For me, embracing equity is almost, in a sense, recognizing the inequity that exists in our businesses, our systems, our communities. And for people to kind of acknowledge, I suppose, the fact that we have this imbalance and to be able to take you know, appropriate action to address that inequity. So equality is very much about recognizing all aspects of diversity that we need, uh, certainly in our business environments, and recognizing the strength that that brings, a more diverse and inclusive uh, working environment, the strength that that brings to your business uh, and your communities as well small and meaningful ways to embrace it. There are a lot of big things that we've got to do as, as corporations and leaders in the Australian uh, market, certainly uh, at, at a gender level, are doing a lot of things. We've still got a lot of ground to make up and a lot of things to get done. But for mine, it's how we actually uh, embrace that diversity within a team. How do we recognize the fact that a diverse team is more effective? How do we spend time with people understanding the biases that exist in our systems, in our businesses? and actually help people. Oftentimes I find it's helping women, for example, recognize the fact that they have a lot of potential and they have the ability to go for those big opportunities because there's a natural stance and a position that uh, many women will take just be a little bit more conservative in their approach. As a leader, I've always tried to stretch that and encourage a woman to be more forthright in recognizing their, uh, their skills, their capabilities, and to go above and beyond in many ways in their career. I think the benefits of equality in the workplace is for a more diverse workforce is what I tend to call you know, different sets of eyes, ears and ideas and the approach that people will bring to a more diverse working environment and to a diverse leadership team. And so I've experienced in the past where, as you may appreciate, I've been in the industry for a long, long time and we had a vast or a very extensive lack of diversity in those early days in my working career and it's just seeing how we've been able to flourish by being more diverse and having a, uh, a different set of eyes, ears and ideas and approaches to how we do things. That's uh, gotta be a, a massive benefit to, to any working group, to any leadership team, to any board, 
um, so critical to have that. Look, I've had the privilege to work with, uh, with a lot of great women uh, in my career and probably more in the recent years. I can think of two women in particular that have actually changed my life and changed my career and changed my outlook on life in many ways. And, and I'll call them out as uh, Tracy Fellows, was uh, my country manager when I was at Microsoft uh, and uh, followed up by Pip Marlow, who's uh, been a peer of mine for many years and has been my manager over this time here at Salesforce. Two incredibly strong leaders very smart and in fact the empathetic nature and the caring factor that they brought to uh, their leadership teams and to me in particular have just been outstanding and just incredible. I wouldn't be where I am today without uh, those two in particular. Now to help us dive deeper into this theme, we're going to be joined by two incredible female leaders. First is Fiona Lowe. Fiona is the Vice President and Group Director of Global Marketing at Worley. Prior to joining Worley, Fiona worked at Shell, Virgin Media, Optus, and David Jones. She has her executive coach and mentoring accreditation and loves helping people unlock their full potential. Our second guest is Gail Moody-Bird. Gail is the Vice President of Marketing at LinkedIn Sales Solutions. She has extensive experience in all aspects of global marketing, sales, and strategy, and is passionate about inspiring teams and nurturing talent. Thanks so much for joining me here today. It's great to be back in person with people. So I'll start with you first, Fiona, and then over to you, Gail. As we celebrate International History Month, what would be one woman who has been a source of inspiration and motivation for you, personal or professionally, and why? So Grace, to answer your question, I'm gonna take you back to when I was a girl. Um, because my personal source of inspiration um, is someone, a girl, a woman now, I guess whose philosophy has really guided um, me throughout my life. Uh, my personal source of inspiration is Nadia Comaneci. I was a gymnast as a young girl, um, and so for those who don't know Nadia, she was a Romanian gymnast and was the first gymnast to score a perfect 10. And the philosophy that she had, her passion, her persistence and the hard work that she put in, I think were the three key philosophies that have really you know, guided me in my career and in my personal life. Thank you, Fiona. I watched Nadia compete at the Olympics where she scored the perfect 10 and I could see why she's been a role model to you. What about you, Gail? So my story is also personal and my inspiration is my mother. Uh, my mother passed away about nine months ago and as I was going through all of her things and sort of moving on to the next stage, um, I just discovered so many inspirational pieces in her wardrobes and her boxes and all the things she had. One of the most interesting things was to find some correspondence between her and one of her mentors who was Katherine Johnson. So if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, Katherine Johnson was her math teacher uh, back in West Virginia in junior high school. And so she took an interest in my mother. She actually nominated her for a scholarship for college. And so I look at what it must have meant to be a little girl in West Virginia, one of 13 children who was sort of plucked out of her anonymity by someone like Katherine Johnson who really believed in her. And I think my mother did the same thing for me. She just invested so much and showed me along the way to be fearless, 
never take no for an answer, to explore opportunities and have hobbies like travel, which was one of her most interesting um, hobbies. And so when I think back on her life and I reflect on what that meant to me, she's my biggest inspiration at this moment. Oh, that's an amazing story, Gail. So I'll start off my first question with you, as a matter of fact. I introduced you both earlier as trailblazing leaders. And Gail, as we were preparing for this episode, the words rebel mindset comes to mind. And I know you've taken me a little bit of that journey, which I'd love you to share, but I can definitely see that. You know, you joined LinkedIn Sales Solutions this time last year, and within four weeks, you changed the trajectory of the business. And look at us now. We are shaping the new generation of sales organizations through deep sales. But it's also not the first time you've done that. There's been your story at SAP, at Palm, at Noodle AI, and hence you're one of the most celebrated and influential CMOs in North America. And so with that, can you give us some insight around where did that rebel mindset come from and what is that all about? So I'm a child of the civil rights movement. And I remember the rebelliousness that it took for students to sit at those lunch counters when they were being attacked, to, for people to march through streets. We're just ending Black History Month, so I'm, this is all very fresh for me. And so that mentality of challenging the status quo for a better outcome was embedded in me in my childhood. I then took that to my experiences at Spelman College where I was a little bit different because I was a girl interested in business or at Harvard Business School where I was sort of a different animal coming in with a different background. I've always been slightly different, but I've used that to my advantage to say, I think there's something here that I can bring. Some kind of thinking that's slightly different from what everyone else has experienced. So from Palm, where we were selling you know, the first smartphone before there was an iPhone, SAP, where we built communities, Noodle AI, where we were selling an AI product that was pretty revolutionary. There always was, here's the status quo. What difference making can I bring to this situation to move the business or the situation forward? And it, that's exactly what we've done together here at LinkedIn Sales Solutions. Definitely. And I love what you stated about status quo for the better good. Yes. And embracing different to your strength. And that transitions me to my question for you, Fiona. Now, you've gone from one industry to another that somehow can seem unrelated from gymnasium to footy, as you said in your, uh, in your recent uh, blog post, to retail, to telco, to traditional energy, and now sustainability. And what you said was, it's the transferable skills of the building blocks over time that has been part of your strength. And so for me is, can you tell us a little bit about that? And how, how did you play that to your strength as you moved from one industry to another? So I, had a passion for sport, still have a passion for sport. So when I finished high school, I went on and studied an applied science degree, majoring in exercise and sport. I then took to the sporting field. I coached gymnastics, I was a teacher. I also trained rugby league players. And then I realized that exercise and my passion for sport was more a hobby. And so I decided to reskill. So I moved into accountancy and finance 
went back and studied my MBA, majored in marketing and strategy, and that's where I found my passion for marketing. The transferable skills part was then where I started to look at what are the different areas of marketing that you need to build in order to, to really lean in and, and strengthen the way that you show up and develop um, as a person. And I think it goes back to strengths and the difference that you can bring. So I often think about knowledge and behaviours for a role. And then also, what are those strengths that make you stand out from everybody else, um, that make you different, that you can bring the, to the table that no one else can? So for me, I've done e-commerce, digital, CRM, brand, events and advertising. So if you think about the functional experience and knowledge, you tick the boxes from a skills perspective. And then the behaviours that you also need, which you can then transfer across industries, from department store retailing to telecommunications into the energy sector. And I think it's having that open mindset to be able to look at what are the things that help you stand out, that bring strength to what you can deliver, that uh, are the things that will set you up for success. Knowledge and behaviour, and again, embracing, embracing different. So a follow-up question to, uh, to both of you. You know, we have a varied audience that listens to uh, to take the lead. So if there was one thing that you would want the audience to take away as they think about their career longevity, what would be the one thing that you'd like the audience to, to consider? Gail, what would be yours? I think if there's anything I would advise, it's staying in touch with the people that you've worked with so that you have a many-peopled quilt. When I think of Someone who's here at this very event who works for Salesforce, who worked with me 15 years ago at Palm, who's still a very close connection. It's really building those communities so no matter what you do, you're building a reputation, you're building really a community of people that you can always tap into, who saw you in good days and bad, and who can remind you of who you are and all the great things that you've done. So my advice as a LinkedIn user, even before I worked for LinkedIn, was building that community of people who know you well no matter where you've worked. And what about you, Fiona? I'm gonna build on Gail's quilt um, and say, do your homework. So use your quilt, your community, to do your homework on the job, do your homework on the people around you that you might be working for in the future, and do your homework on the role um, and the company and uh, figure out if it connects with your values and how you bring your strengths and your standout um, to the table. Thank you both. Also just wanted to add, you know, LinkedIn has unique data and insights. And one of the things that you know, our view is one way to bridge the gap when it comes to the equity gap is really having a skills first approach. So I just want to share a couple of data points. As an example, if you look at the female representation of sales directors in Australia, it's about 26% today. But if companies hire for skills, so not where you, what university you came from or what previous company you worked from or the people that you know, that talent pool increases to 45%. And for the more technical skills like solutions architect, you know, the female representation in Singapore is 26%. I think it's even lower in India. But again, if you take a skills first approach, that talent pool expands to 6x 
which really kind of ties into what you talked about, your quilt, but also your knowledge and you're doing your homework. Because with us, it's, you know, technology has definitely changed the way we work and skills are changing all the time. Gail, at LinkedIn, we talk about that talent is equally distributed globally, but opportunities are not. And so I'd like to get your perspective on why skills first approach for leaders important in building a resilient and an agile workforce moving forward. Well, as you mentioned earlier, equity and inclusion, which all of our companies are interested in today, happens through very deliberate actions. And one of those ways is to take a skills first mentality when hiring. We all know that everyone doesn't have equal access to the same higher institutions of learning, to the same job experiences, the same elite institutions. So if you take a skills first approach, you're leveling the playing field by valuing what people have done, the work they have done for many storied organizations, but they just don't have that background technically with the institutions. We know that skills are changing globally. Since 2015, jobs have changed by 25%. And so what that means is to be ready to be an agile worker in today's workforce, you've got to think about your skills, building your skills, even using your LinkedIn profile as a way not to talk about where you were educated, but what you know how to do. And so for me, for my team, as we think about hiring, we're always looking at the work someone has done and not the educational background that they have. It's so important and it's gonna result in such a diverse workforce. Thank you, Gail. And to add to that, if anything, what we've found for the economic graph is the skills and APAC changes are, is actually much higher. So we know that by 2027, Every role in Australia will have a new skill set by about 50%. Singapore is at 48% and India at 44%. So the statement that goes, you know, jobs are changing on you, even though you're not changing jobs, just as business demands are changing on you, even if you're not changing business. And so with that, Fiona, you shared with us knowledge, behavior, and transferable skills. So you've been on the job seeker side of the table what was it like having a conversation with a hiring manager in which some of the industries that you've actually joined were probably always looking for somebody that came from that industry? Yeah, it was uh, quite tough in some situations, but I think it does come back to connecting into an organisation that can see past a job title, a previous employer, or the education that you've had or not along the way. And you're going to get knocked back. But when you find somebody with an open mind who can see the skills, the behaviours, the knowledge that you can bring to the table, you grab that person, you hold on to them, and you make sure that you absolutely deliver for them uh, and you know, make the most of the opportunity. Thank you. And I love what you said about finding someone with an open mind. And I think in all of our careers, we've had those lucky chances or lucky breaks to find that person, which takes me into the topic of allyship. And Gail, I'll start with you again, and then we'll go to Fiona. Why do you think allyship is important for companies to embrace? And what do you think are some of the steps companies can take or leaders can take to demonstrate 
allyship for gender equity within their leadership teams. So I have a great story from my days at SAP. I was at SAP for 11 years. And organizations of that size, and Grace, you know you've worked for other large organizations, it's very difficult to move. There was a program of sponsorship, not mentorship, but sponsorship. And I became sponsored by our then CMO, Maggie Chen Jones. The difference between having a mentor and having a sponsor in a formalized program where she got to know me, my skills, my interests, and when it was time to be promoted, she was in the room advocating for me based on our personal relationship, made all the difference in the world. And it was the rationale behind my being promoted to vice president at SAP, which is not an easy thing to do, but it was because she invested the time, I invested the time. It was programmatic at the outset, but became very personal in the end, so much so that she's got a consulting firm right now that does professional coaching, and I'm still in her orbit. I'm one of her customers at Tenshe. So it was a lifelong relationship, but it started, it originated with that programmatic effort at SAP to find talented individuals and bring them forward. Investing in employees through sponsorship is a form of allyship. Thanks for sharing that, Gail. Fiona, you have a different story around allyship at a company level. I'd love for you to share that. When we talk about equity uh, and the resources required to give everybody the opportunity to thrive, my story is also quite a, a personal one and it takes me back to when I was pregnant and I shared with Gail earlier that I've got six-year-old twins. Um, my husband and I were living in London at the time um, and we didn't have any family support around us. And so it was quite a daunting experience going from marketing executive to mother of twins without the, you know, the, the, the support of, of family around you. Um, but what we did have was support from my husband's company. My husband worked for Sky over in the UK, and he was one of the very first men in the organisation to take advantage of paid parental leave. So that allowed him to take time out of the business. It allowed me to share my maternity leave with him, and it ultimately allowed me to survive because it was tough. And it is tough, that, that, that transition. And so for me, it was a real really good learning in equity and resources and support doesn't always just have to be for the women within the business but you need to think about the ecosystem of support around us that needs to be put in place to help us to thrive and so shared parental leave for, for me was a really good moment for me to recognize that supporting the man in my life was a fundamental requirement for me to feel comfortable being a mother and also to then feel like I could return to work uh, as well. And I think more companies need to do more of that to support men, to support their women. A hundred percent. And I know in Australia, a lot of companies are definitely looking at shared paternity leave. So again, it's part of like that flexibility to support not just the female employees, but also the man who actually have a, a very positive experience from a parenting perspective. And I know there was a McKinsey report in 2021 uh, about it. So thank you for sharing that. Now, as we close today's session, I started off by asking you both to share a woman who has been a source of inspiration or motivation for you. What I'd like to do is celebrate you both because I know 
as trailblazing leaders, you have also inspired and motivated many in your workplace and many in your environment. You both hold an important senior leadership and global roles. And so my last question for you is, if you had the opportunity to send a message to your younger self on today's topic or International Women's Day in general, what would that be? Fiona, over to you and then Gail. So I'm going to share a quote that I've lived by, um, a quote by Mark Twain. I actually have it on a card next to my desk, so I'm going to do my best to remember. And it's 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, explore, dream, discover. And that would be my uh, inspiration for my younger self. Love it. Thank you, Fiona. Gail? Mine would be to move through life with an open heart. I think, especially being a woman in business, there is a kind of a hardness that you can assume as you compete in these rooms where you're often the only one. And so I think if I had moved through earlier years in my career with more of an open heart, being more of a mentor to people that I saw along the way, I've done that many times, but just being very deliberate about giving my heart to the people that I was working with would be my advice. You know, creating more of an emotional bond and not letting the difficulties of business change who I was. To maintain my feminine side while working and moving through a very masculine environment would be my advice. And to be very deliberate about all the benefits of our feminine qualities. Love it. Thank you, Gail. Fiona and Gail, thank you again for joining us on this special episode of Take the Lead podcast to celebrate International Women's History Month. Thank you also for sharing your experiences, your journey. Both of you truly are trailblazers. Happy International Women's Day, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's conversation and want to know when we release new episodes, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you'd like to stay informed with LinkedIn's data, insights and information affecting senior leaders, follow our LinkedIn Sales Solutions page. 